An FDA advisory panel unanimously recommends granting traditional approval to an experimental Alzheimer's treatment. HHS unveils a new program that helps pediatric healthcare providers pay off their student loans. And a drug-resistant fungus that can be found in hospitals is associated with a 34% death rate. It's Tuesday, June 13th. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines and health business and policy news in 10 minutes or less. A Food and Drug Administration advisory panel on Friday voted unanimously that a new Alzheimer's treatment, lecanemab, shows clinical benefit for the treatment of the disease, which brings the drug one step closer to full FDA approval. Lecanemab is an intravenous monoclonal antibody treatment developed by Esi and Biogen and sold under the brand name Lecembi. It works by removing amyloid beta plaques from the brain, a hallmark of Alzheimer's. Lecembi is not a cure for the disease, but a phase three clinical trial showed that the treatment slowed the rate of cognitive and functional decline by around 27 percent. However, in the trials, there were also some safety risks associated with the drug, including brain swelling and bleeding. Though the advisory panel's recommendation is not binding, the FDA typically abides by their decision. A final decision by the agency is expected by July 6th. In a reversal from its previous policy, the Centers for Medicare Medicare and Medicaid Services announced at the beginning of the month that Medicare will cover Lakembi and other Alzheimer's drugs if the FDA ultimately grants traditional approval. To date, CMS has not covered these monoclonal antibody treatments unless the beneficiary was in a qualifying clinical trial, citing concerns over the drug's efficacy and safety. In January, the FDA granted accelerated approval to Lakembi. Though CMS now says that Medicare will cover fully approved approved Alzheimer's drugs, there are other criteria that need to be met, including requiring a prescribing physician and clinical team to participate in registries that collect evidence regarding how these drugs work in real-world scenarios. Currently, an estimated 6.7 million Americans 65 years or older have Alzheimer's disease. That number is projected to grow to more than 12 million people by 2050. The Department of Health and Human Services is allocating $15 million to a new program that aims to recruit and retain pediatric health care providers. The Pediatric Specialty Loan Repayment Program was announced last Friday and provides up to $100,000 to eligible pediatric clinicians to repay their student loans. To qualify, providers must work in or be receiving training in a pediatric medical subspecialty, a pediatric surgical specialty, or child and adolescent behavioral health care, including substance use prevention and treatment services. In exchange, eligible pediatric providers agree to work for three years in areas that are medically underserved or to provide care to underserved populations. The program also applies to pediatric care providers who address behavioral health needs in schools across the country. In a statement, the agency said that this program complements similar loan repayment and scholarship programs already available through the Health 
Health Resources and Services Administration. The new program comes as the U.S. faces a shortage of pediatric medical subspecialists and surgical specialists. The American Academy of Pediatrics wrote that pediatric shortages means families have to travel long distances for care, wait for weeks or months to receive care, or go without care altogether. Eligible providers have until July 20th to apply for the program. A new report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention finds that a drug-resistant fungus is associated with a 34% death rate. The study looked at 192 Candida Auris-related hospitalizations at 42 hospitals in the United States between 2017 and 2022. The hospitalizations also included 38 cases of C. auris-related bloodstream infections. CDC researchers found that these infections primarily occur among older adults and were higher in male and non-white patients. Nearly 76% of hospitalizations involved an intensive care stay, and mechanical ventilation was used in 43% of ICU cases. The median hospitalization stay was 13 days. The researchers found that the overall estimated crude mortality rate was 34%, the in-hospital mortality rate was 21%, and discharge locations included hospice, where the mortality rate was 13%, 28% in skilled nursing facilities, and 15% in long-term acute care. The estimated crude mortality rate was higher among bloodstream infections at 47% compared to 31% for non-bloodstream infections. The authors of this latest report said that learning more about the clinical features of individuals with CRS infections is critical since the U.S. lacks national surveillance data on clinical cases. They also noted that the study could be limited due to a lack of antifungal susceptibility testing data, possible underdetection of cases caused by potential incompleteness of 2022 data, and underrepresentation of the West and Northeast regions in laboratory data, which they said report high high case counts. The CDC has considered C. auris an urgent threat for years. The fungus was first identified in Japan in 2009 and has been spreading in the United States since the first case was reported in 2016. Since then, the pathogen has been reported in 27 states. C. auris generally is not a threat to people who are healthy, but people who are sick, use invasive medical devices like catheters or breathing tubes, or have long or frequent stays in healthcare facilities are at higher risk for infection. The pathogen can spread through contact with affected patients as well as contaminated surfaces and equipment. It's easily misidentified unless special laboratory equipment is used. It can also live for several weeks and is difficult to get rid of with standard hospital disinfectants. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at justhealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The GIST Healthcare Podcast is an independent production of GIST Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company.